My, 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 my. All right. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for being here. Where are you joining us from? What an honor it is to worship with you. Uh, if you don't mind, will you help me shout out all our campuses in a minute? Prosper, Louisville, uh, Dallas, and now Garland. Will you help me shout them out, everybody? Well done, well done, well done. Good to see you, everybody. And then, if you're joining us from our global community, one of our five segments of this country, uh, we're just honored that you have considered it and logged on to be a part of our community. Now, I'm in the Word today, and we're going to, last week we talked about red flags, and, um, and we waved our red flags really, really big, right? So last week, y'all broke the internet with my red flags, but it's okay, y'all did good, y'all did good. So we were, we were waving these red flags. And what these red flags meant was that, um, that if you're in a relationship and you see any of these flags, you ought to go have a conversation because it might not be good for you in the future. But then there are some couples in here that talked about, well, we missed them red flags and we got married anyways. <laughs> and then the question somebody asked me is, we go, well, what happened if I miss the red flag? What, 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 what do I do now? Well, then now I'm going to show you what you do if you miss the red flags and married them anyway. Praise the name of the Lord. Or they married you. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, so we're going to talk about it. So last time we talked about red flags. When you go to the beach, uh, the lifeguard has his station, and he usually puts out some flags. Red means do not go in the water. It's dangerous. We've seen some stuff in there, and it might get you. Therefore, don't do it. Let's stay out of the water. Next, next time, in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about the yellow flag. The yellow flag is, how do you know when you're on your way to a red flag? How do you know when your marriage is going in the wrong direction, and you need to take some quick action before you get to the dangerous position. And then on today, though, we're going to talk about the green flag. Now, the green flag means whenever the lifeguard puts out the green flag, what they're suggesting is that uh, the skies are blue, uh, very few clouds, maybe some serious clouds in the sky. Uh, the water looks like glass. It's just beautiful. And the, the environment and the conditions are ripe for a great day at the beach. What that means for us today is I want to look at seven habits that healthy couples experience. Seven, they, all, healthy couples do these seven. If you don't know them, I'm going to give it to them today, and I'm going to show you the opposite of them. I'm going to show you the complex that they usually have overcome because they practice one of these seven habits. And so we're looking at what is, what is the seven habits of um, a healthy marriage look like. And so in a moment, we're going to talk about it. And I got my big green flag today because some of you don't know what it looks like. So, you know, all of these, I got to have a big old flag to wave it. Praise the Lord for the prop team. Come on, let's hear it for the prop team. That gives me some big green flags. And who, who here knows that God is looking for some marriages that, that, that when you walk in the world, they see you and they say, I want what they got. You see, you don't know what you, need to, what you need to profile. You profile your car, you profile your house, you profile your lawn, you profile your crypto account, you profile all that. You need to profile your marriage and say, look at us, look at us. As we follow Jesus, here's what he does. So what we're trying to pull off is highlight for you seven habits that healthy couples experience. Now, if you're here and you're single, you better not check out because 
Because if you don't do these when you're single, you ain't going to do them when you're married. So if you say, this don't have nothing to do with me, God bless you, and I hope everybody runs from you. <laughs> On the other hand, if you take it seriously, then you get the opportunity now to hang out and to, and to practice before you get married. So we have a passage of scripture. Uh, Luke chapter 6 is where I want to hang out today. Um, and I have one main point and some subpoints. Seven habits are the subpoints, but one main point that oversees all of them. Will you stand with me? And let's read the word of the Lord. Luke chapter 6, let's pick it up at about verse 43, and then let's read it together. My God, what a passage of scripture. Oh, what a passage of scripture. You must get excited about the word of God, because it really is life-altering. Okay, here we go, everybody. Read with me, please. Watch the text now. For which produces bad fruit, nor, on the other hand, a bad tree, which produces pause for effect. Here's what that's saying. If you got a mango in your hand, it didn't come from an apple tree. If you got a guava, I'm going to say some fruit, y'all don't know. If you have a guava in your hand, that didn't come from a pear tree. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Whatever fruit you're bearing, it's because it comes from your tree. You're not going to find Jesus cussing because that's not the tree of his life that he reproduces. Next verse. Here we go. It says, read it with me. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. No, they don't. You know that they don't. That's obvious. Next verse. Here we go. Here's the punchline. The good man out of the good treasure of his... Stop. The good man out of the good treasure of his... Last time. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart. If it's in your heart, it's only a matter of time before it comes out. If you store it up in your heart, it is only a matter. It's in there, which means it's going to come out. Some of you love to hide stuff inside your heart and leave it there and think, well, I'm being godly. I'm being godly. It's in my heart, but it's not coming out. God, you better be grateful for me because I'm not cussing her out. I'm not cussing him out because it's in my heart. But it's only a matter of time. The right button has not yet been pushed. But the moment that button gets pushed, what the, who the, Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. And the evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth what is for his speaks. You don't get it, do you? Oh, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Last time, last time, let's start. And the evil man, out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. So if you're doing something that's evil, it's because it's in your heart. Because whatever is in your heart ultimately comes out. 
Here's my only state. Here's my, don't forget this. This is my only thesis I'm trying to make. To all my married friends and to all my single friends who have relationships, whatever, work relationship, uh, community group relationship, listen, here it is, here it is, this is my whole point, here it is. You think that the reason the relationship is not working is because of something outside of you. It is not. It is because of you. You're not going to like it today. But I'm going to like it. I say, whatever campus you at, you think, and you have a laundry list of reasons why, everything that's wrong in this relationship is because or, or, or originates outside of you. I'm here today to tell you, God sent me by to tell you, it is less about them and more about you. You can't even say amen. Look at you. You can't even say amen. Because I'm walking right into your house, right down your street, to tell you, hey, it ain't them, it's you. So here's what I want you to look at your neighbor, or if you're at your house, look at your spouse, or if you're at your house, shout it at the TV. Here we go. It ain't them, it's me. You didn't say, some of you didn't say, some of you didn't say, some of you didn't say, you didn't say, you didn't say. Uh, 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 say one more time, and look at your spouse and say, look at your spouse and say, or, or look at the TV and say, or look at your friend and say, or look at uh, uh, the person, just look at the ear in front of you and say, uh, uh, it ain't them, it's me. Some of y'all still didn't do it. Let, let me, let me. Your laundry list is so long, you don't believe me. But I'm going to prove it today. So, hey, hey, everybody, focus on this side. This side needs some help right over here because they don't think it's there. So say to everybody, not y'all, not you on the, on the, on the uh, Internet, uh, just this group right here because they're struggling a little bit over here. It ain't you. It's me. Okay, it's not this, it's that section up there. It's just y'all, it's just y'all. It's ain't, it's ain't you. <laughs> it ain't you. It's me. Sit down, let's go to work. Come on, let's go to work. Let's go to work. Let's go. <laughs> oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Um, now, you need to realize this, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Hey, camera, follow me a second, okay? Just follow me one second. So the problem is that sometimes um, you're going to preach a sermon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you're going to preach a sermon, and you're not good at it. So I'm not the sage on the stage this morning. I'm going to be in the pew, too, and be a guide by your side. Because sometimes you believe that I got it all together. And oftentimes I don't. So I got to preach to myself from the word of God. Oh, you're going to see. Don't clap yet. You're going to see when we get to this word. You're going to see. Because this ain't for babies today. This is for folk who, who really know how to deny themselves, take up the cross daily, and follow Jesus. Can I get a witness, somebody? So sometimes you got to be careful that you don't act like you got it all together because I don't. And I need Jesus just like you. Amen. Can I get a witness, somebody? Amen. All right, here we go. Let's get to work. Let's get to work. Um, when I realized, listen, the grace that has been given to me through Christ, 
should have such an enormous impact on me that I want to give that same grace to my spouse. Now listen, listen, if you don't get that, then you're going to always think it's somebody else. Let me say it again. If you don't realize the enormity of the grace that God has given to you, then you won't want to give it to nobody else. I have to say it one more time. If you don't realize that what you do every single day is you sit down and there is a river of grace coming on you. It's just pouring over you all day, every day. It never stops. If you don't realize the enormity, the grace, the mercy, the love, the, 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 the generosity of God to give you that and to bathe you in that every single day, then you won't want to give it to nobody else. That's why you have a list. God don't have no list for you. He just gives you grace. And if you miss that, you don't want to hear the rest of this sermon. Because everything is predicated upon the fact that you realize what happened to you in salvation and what happened to you every single day since then. If you miss the, the, the profoundness of God's grace pouring, washing over you right now, then you will miss this whole talk. So here we go. We got to get to work now. Here's, here's my thesis again one more time. Here's what it says. It says, um, we like to think our greatest problem exists outside of ourselves. We must confess that our greatest marital problem is me. Because God wants to teach you something. He just created and allowed you to get married to teach you something you don't want to learn. And you're arguing that it is their fault. Well, if you had only known, well, Pastor, if I give you everything they have done, you will understand why I don't know. I know everything you have done, and I know what God has done in light of what you have done, and what they have done is no worse than what you have done. Therefore, that's why the grace of God is so important in your life. Can I get a witness for that? Some of you don't even want to agree with that which is revealing your lack of theology because you think you're not that bad, which reveals your arrogance because you think you're not that bad, because you think somebody else is worse than you are, which is only revealing your ignorance with reference to the gospel of Jesus Christ and how wicked you were and he still came after you. But if we don't teach, listen fam, if you don't fix your relationship vertically, you cannot fix it horizontally. If you don't realize that God has done so much for you, he wants to get your attention so you can receive all that he has given you so you can now be a dispenser of it to others as well. Listen, I'm so glad I got reminded. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I don't need you, I don't need you even to clap no more because I don't need your applause. I don't. Once you got word behind you, you don't need nobody's applause. So I'm going to give you seven habits. But none of these habits make sense unless you understand what vertically happened to you, which is therefore why you can horizontally relate to men and women. The first habit, the first habit is the habit of love. The habit of love. But there is something that you're overcoming. What you're overcoming is the roommate complex. The room, you've gotten together and you've hung out and you love each other and it started out real good and now all you are are roommates. All you do is get together to pay the bills, take care of some kids, and then you walk and then you go to sleep. That's all you do. You're just 
roommates. That's what describes your relationship. You're only roommates. And here's what habit you're failing. You're failing the habit of love. But you thought you knew what love was. So I'm going to give you a definition of love so you will never forget when God says, I want you to love your wife like Christ loved the church. Here is what he means. The definition, that is, of love. So the first habit is the habit of love. The complex you're overcoming is the roommate complex. And now you should tell me, no, 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 you should let your spouse tell you where your habit of love is on this, on this, on this, little, on this little gadget that we have created for you. Now, what does love mean? I'm going to give you five phrases that will help you define it. Here's, here's the definition. Love, love, love is, love is, first word, willing. Somebody say willing. No, that's not everybody. So everybody say it together. Love is? That's it. In other words, if you're not willing to love your spouse, then you don't love them. Because willingness says, I am, I'm going to do whatever it takes to intentionally move toward you and love you. No matter how I feel, no matter the environment, I'm going to move toward you. I have a desire. I have a willingness to do that. It is not a feeling. It is an act. And you're saying, I'm going to move toward you willingly. By the way, that's exactly what Jesus did for you. He willingly moved toward you. You had nothing in you to earn it. You had nothing in you to desire it. He just willingly Move toward you because he loved you. He says, if you're going to love like I love you, then you've got to have a willingness to, I don't feel nothing. It's irrelevant what you feel. You don't feel to clean up your kids' snot in their nose, but you do. By the way, some of you would have done it when you're dating your spouse. But all of a sudden, you don't want to do it now. You know, you look at it, and that's nasty. Back in the day, you didn't mind nasty because you were in love. First word is willing. You have to have a willingness. Next word, next phrase. Self-sacrifice. I'm going to lose all of you right there. So in other words, self-sacrifice says, I'm going to put you before me. Self-sacrifice says, I'm going to let you go before me. Self-sacrifice says, I'm, it is my joy and honor to allow you and your desires to go before mine. Guess what Jesus did for you? He said, I know you don't know, but I'm going to give you something, and I'm going to sacrifice everything in me so that you can go before me. Are you kidding me? Now he says, I want you to go model that in your, in your relationship. Model what it looks like to self-sacrifice. Give up Allow pain to come to you so that none go to them. You do it for your kids. But you don't want to do it for your spouse. I told you I don't need you to say amen. For the good of another. Number one, love is willing. Number two, it's self-sacrificing. Number three, it's for the good of another. Here we go. Read this phrase, everybody. That, do, that does not demand So it's a love, I'm doing it for your good, and I don't want you to do nothing in return for me. I'm not doing it to get some. I'm doing it because I love you, and I'm willing to do it, and I'm willing to sacrifice for it. Ladies and gentlemen, the habit of love. It's what we practice every day. That's what a habit is. I do it every single day. I want to put you before me. I want to sacrifice for me so that you benefit. I want to do it for you, and I'm not expecting anything back from you. 
What's the last phrase now? What's the last phrase? Number five. Number five. Number one, number two, number three, number four. Here we go. Or that the person being loved is deserving of it. They're not, it don't matter if they're deserving or not. I'm still, you weren't deserving of God's love. You weren't. You're not that good to be deserving of it. He just loved you. And so it doesn't matter if you, if you did the right thing. It don't matter if you uh, 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 came home at the right time. It doesn't matter. If, it doesn't matter. God says, whether you deserve it or not, I'm going to love you. So when, when you have a human being trying to enter a covenant, God-centered relationship with a human understanding of love, no wonder why it breaks down all the time. Because the definition that God has for it is not the same you have for it. Which is why it demands the habit of love. Which is, my, which is why when you do the habit of love, now you can get out of the roommate complex. You see, here's what you didn't realize. What you didn't realize when you, when you, when you dated and you, know, you dated and then you got married is you really love the person, watch it now, because you saw them as a vehicle to get you where you were going. And so you, you analyzed the situation. And you thought, hmm, we're going to have pretty kids. Hmm. <laughs> With your bank account and my bank, hmm. We might be able to do some stuff now and get stuff that we didn't have growing up. Maybe with their credit. <laughs> oh, I'm going to look real good when I go to that office dinner. I might get partner now because he or she is by my side. No, you didn't tell them that. You really didn't tell them. You just assessed it yourself. And you call that love until it gets tested in the man. So now when you have disagreements, you want to throw the towel out. But really what you should be doing is saying, either, listen, either you're seeing the person as a vehicle to get you to where you want to go. That's why when they don't get you where you want to go, that's why you want to come out. Because, well, they're no longer, they're no longer an asset to me. No, you won't say that. You just say, well, I don't feel anything anymore. No, that's because they're no longer a vehicle that you can use to get where you want to go. Or they're no longer a vehicle that brings you happiness. So since there's no more happiness, why do I stay? You just want me to suffer? Jesus did. So now either you see them as a canoe that helps you get where you're going, listen, or, watch this now, you see them as a barrier that now they're preventing you, and whenever they start preventing you, they're an obstacle. So it's either a vehicle or an obstacle. When they're an obstacle that's preventing you, now you want out of the relationship. Well, you no longer give me what I want, so now I want out because you're just a barrier protecting me. I mean, preventing me from going where I want to go. So since you, that's what you are, I don't want to have nothing to do with you anymore, and I'm done, and I'm out, because you did not give me what I want. So you're no longer a vehicle? Seduces. Courthouse, where you at? No, you go to the church to get married. Come on, 
You go to the church to have a covenantal relationship in heaven. But you think you can go to the courthouse to dismantle what God did in heaven. So stop seeing your spouse as a vehicle. They're not a vehicle. They're a child of God. They're a gift that God gave you to serve. So what's love? Let's go last time. Bring it back up. What's love? Uh-oh. So what's love? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. If you don't have your notes, God bless your soul. So what's love? What's love? What's love? It is simply the idea that I am willing to self-sacrifice for the better good of another without expecting anything in return and most importantly, whether they, de- whether, they, um, whether, they, whether they deserve it or not. Number two. First habit, the habit of love. What's the first habit, everybody? The habit of? Love. Two more times. The habit of? Love. Last time, the habit of? Love. And what you're trying to overcome is the ro- roommate complex. Habit number two. My God, my God, my God. Habit number two. Habit number two says the habit of pursuit. The habit of pursuit. I want to, I want to pursue this person. Genesis chapter 2, round about verse 24 says you ought to leave and you ought to cleave. Some of you are still not leaving yet. Your parents still have too much influence in your life. Your mother-in-law still want to run the whole thing. And they use money to influence you to pull it off. And so you don't want to leave. And in light of that, now you end up with a whole lot of leave. The word leave, the idea of leave and cleave, is the idea of pursue with all energy. To pursue with everything you got. Listen, family, listen. So, so when you first got married, you did it perfectly. You pursued your spouse with everything you got. When you were dating them, ooh, they could do no wrong. Their differences, oh my God. I mean, she's so, oh my gosh, she just, I mean, every time we talk, we can talk for hours, even though she's talking 90% of the time, but we can talk for hours. It's great, it's amazing, it's wonderful. Ten years into it, will you just shut up? How you go from loving to hear her thoughts to no, you don't want to hear nothing she got to say. The Bible has a beautiful verse, it says this, it says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. (laughs) Where your your resources are, that's where your heart's going to be. Where your your time is, that's where your heart's going to be. Where your money is, that's where your time's going to be. So there's three phases in marriage. Phase number, season number one. That's when the honeymoon phase, where you're enjoying each other. Season number two, watch this now, your resources shift, which means your heart shifts too. Now it shifts from your spouse to your career. It shifts from your spouse to your kids. It shifts from your spouse to your hobbies. It shifts from your spouse to something else that you now deem vitally important. And what just happened? You shift your heart because your treasure got shifted. Your time got shifted, your resources got shifted, your, your, your talents got shifted, your money got shifted. And because they did, you now fall in love with your kids and not your spouse. So now you give all your heart to your kids. Oh yeah, I'm at every game, I'm at every game, and you can't miss nothing. 
and your spouse on the sideline looking like, I'm over here. I'm over here. I'm over here. All your money. You remember when you used to go to whatever you want, boo? You got it. Now you don't do that no more. All you're doing now is, well, no, 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 no. We got to save. No, 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 no. Well, we got to get something for the kids. No, 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 no. We got to, no, you can't do, no, no. Spend your own money and get, get none of my money. And all of a sudden, what you used to give freely, you now have turned your back and said, no, man. No, sir. Mm -mm, not for you. Do you see what's happened? Your treasure shift, so your heart shifted. And then, that's why after the kids are gone, is the next highest part time for divorce. Why? Because you fall out of love. Because you don't have nothing to give. Because your heart shifted to now your career, your job, your, 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 your kids, your, your hobbies, your sports, or, uh, whatever it is that you now love. And all of a sudden, what used to be incredible experiences have now dried up. So what's the, what's, the, what's the complex? The falling out of love complex is what it is. It starts with the habit of pursuit. Run them down. Your heart follows your treasure. Therefore, you're falling out of love. No, you've just not told your heart where to go. You have not invested in the location so that your heart can follow the location. So if you're falling out of love, the way to get back in love is to begin to move your treasure, time, your treasure, money, your treasure, your desires, everything else that you have. Move it in the direction of your spouse to begin the process of getting there again. Amen, pastor. Say it, pastor. Preach it, pastor. I told you I don't need your help. I'm encouraging myself. The Bible tells me I need to get encouraged myself in the Lord when ain't the saints ain't encouraging you because they'll be like, oh, Lord, she beside me right now and I don't know what to do. Oh, Lord, what am I going to do? Don't move too much because she's going to try and think I'm hitting her with my hips, but I'm not. I'm just saying, praise the Lord. <laughs> All right. The third one. This is where we're going to camp out because this is our biggest problem, number three. The third, the habit number one is what everybody say with me. Habit number one is the habit of, love. habit number two is the habit of, Pursuit. habit number three, habit number three Woo! is the habit of confession and forgiveness. Every day, I'm confessing, not her sin, my sin, not his sin, my sin. Every day, the habit of confession. What are you trying to overcome? The lawyer complex, the attorney complex. The complex where you can list all their wrongs and prove that in 1825, your great-great-great-great-grandmama did this and you doing the same thing. In 1980, at 2.30 in the morning, you did this. Last week at 12.04, you did this. And you can list every single thing they did wrong. Now, you ever notice you don't list what you do wrong? You only list what the other person do wrong. But if you're not careful, you can do this. And this can become normal for you. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here, here, here's why this is so important, this thing called forgiveness. It is so very important. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here's a hose. And with this hose, it's attached to a spigot. The spigot is on. And in landscaping, we call this the pressurized part, right? So let's say it's on, 
and because you have this cap on here, it's pressurized, which means once you press, once you press this, water is going to come from it, right? That's what I mean. Now, God says, you always have my love. You always have my grace. You always have my mercy. You always have my forgiveness. You always have it. Now, this is you toward your spouse. On this side, it's always flowing to you. On this side, nothing is coming out. Because you're getting everything God has for you. But you want to kink it so that your spouse does not get the same love, the same grace, the same mercy, the same tenderness that God gives to you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is how you look when you do not practice the habit of confession and forgiveness. God says, I'm always giving it to you. You say, mine is conditional based on whether or not you fix these lists. If you don't fix them, I ain't giving you nothing. So you just like the dude in the Bible. That the master says, I forgave you for this much? And that little thing they did, to which you're saying, it ain't little, it's big, it's big, it's big. To which God's saying, not compared to what I did for you. To which you say, well, it seems just as big. To which God says, you just don't know your Bible. But he says, the spigot is always on. But yet still, when it comes to your marriage or your relationship, it's not on for you. You have kinked it so they can't get the flow of God's grace. The flow of your grace toward them. Ladies and gentlemen, this happens every single day in marriages. Every single day. It's happening in your life right now. You have somebody that you don't want to release. And you be like, I don't care what you're saying. I don't know what you're saying. If you know what I know, you wouldn't be talking like that. you just an ignorant pastor. That's how you is. No, 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 you're not supposed to be supporting me in this one. <laughs> Keep your little applause. I don't need your little applause. Listen, we do this every day. You do this at work. You do, you do, you do this on social media. See, I don't see nothing else from you. I don't see nothing else. <laughs> you can't get, You know what? Let me see if you tell the truth. If you've ever, no, no, no. I was going to say, if you've ever done this in your life, forget that. If you've done this in the last two weeks, just wait here. <laughs> in the last, let me see if you can tell the truth. If you've done this in the last, you know you do it too, in the last two weeks. Wait, and look, look around you. Because if nobody hand this up, there ain't nothing but a liar in the house of God. <laughs> they have written somebody off. <laughs> but some of you still don't believe me. So let me show you how. Turn your page over. Turn your page. Let me show you how. Because you, some of you really are convinced that's not you. So come here. I'm going to show you how that is you and that is me. Let me show you why you don't want to forgive people. And I hope you never forget this. You don't want to forgive people because you enjoy when they're in debt to you. 
Let me show you why you enjoy. All of us do this, by the way. Everybody here do this. Let me show you why you enjoy. Number one, because when, when, when they owe you something, unforgiveness is that. Number one is that they then say, debt is power. What does that mean? Debt is power. Therefore, what happens as a result? Therefore, you use someone else's wrong against them. Now, I'm in the power seat. Now, you did me wrong, so now I can, I, can, I can manipulate you to do what I want because you owe me. Aren't you glad God don't operate like that? Jesus, thank you, Holy Spirit, for not, not letting God the Father or the Son operate like that. But we use it as power, and we power up to say, yeah, you better believe it. Yeah, you deserve that. Yeah, you better give me what I want. And you power up. Number two, it gets worse. Debt is identity. Now you identify the person as their debt. And now you even call them the wrong that they did. And all of a sudden now, your whole life is built around, well, let me tell you what you did. Well, you remember five years ago, remember four years ago, remember yesterday. And your whole life is built around identifying them as their debt. Aren't you glad God don't do that to you? Identify you by your, by your drama? You kidding me? I am delighted that he don't do it to me, and I hope you are too. That means you don't do it to nobody else. You identify every time you see him. If you don't tell him out loud, you're thinking it in your mind. You don't deserve to be around me. No, I'm a good dude. He's a good dude. You treat me like this, I'm a good dude. <laughs> I'm a good woman. And then you use the old foolish story. You ever hear this one? Do you know how many? Do you know how many what? I wish you would finish it. <laughs> Power, identity, the last three are the worst one. Number three, you use it as entitlement. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you hold on to your spouse's wrong, allows us to be self-focused and demanding. I'm not holding it on to you, and I'm saying, you are entitled to give me what I want because you messed up. You emptied the account, so therefore, I'm shutting you down from everything, and everything you get, you have to give to me because you can't manage nothing. Now you feel you're entitled. Now you feel you have a good reason because you're the perfect lawyer. And you have all the case and all the reasoning why they ought to do what now you have said because you have the proof. Number four, debt is weaponry. Now you use it as a weapon against your spouse. Now you use it as a weapon in the relationship and you pull out the offense when you're angry. I said, do you know what I've dealt with? Because of you. To which God says, do we want to compare notes here? Do you really? Do you see how easy it is for all of us to get caught up and want to play the guy or the girl that owes, that I have the debt and you owe me and you better give me everything you want because if not, I'm going to use it as a weapon against you. You're entitled. I'm going to be entitled to everything. You, I, can, I can do a hundred things and you can better not open your mouth because of what you did. That means there's a king in the house. And that means you don't understand what God's doing. Watch this. this is, watch this last one, the most important of them all. Here we go. Now, debt puts us in God's position. Now, all of a sudden, we're, dispen we're dispersing 
consequences. Here's what we do now. So he says, okay, in light of what you did, here's what I'm going to do. Now you've just played God. And now you are the one that is in sovereign control of everything. Which is what your flesh wants. Your flesh wants you to be in control. Which is why the grace of God is so important in every relationship. Which is why if you don't understand the gospel, you can't live this, this God-covenantal relationship with human understanding and human philosophies. You can't do it. Which is why grace is everything. It really is. It, because you will always see yourself as the one who is owed. Everybody does. From your perspective, you'll always see it that way. You owe me. You owe me. You owe me. You owe me. You know, I washed the dishes the last 10 times. You haven't done it in the last two weeks. It's your time now. Well, you keeping record now? Hold on. <laughs> attorney, are you, keeping le- are you keeping records, attorney? Do I need to watch what I say now because you're recording me in every instance so you can use it as proof? Judge? Why don't you just get your little gap and say, boom, I win the case. Since you want to be in control that much, that is why. If your vertical relationship is off, then horizontal relationships will be one-dimensional. It will be your way. It won't be agape love. It'll be your love, depending on if they please you and depending on if they make you happy. That is why the point of the whole sermon is the problem in your marriage is not outside of you. Say it with me. It's you. Two more times. The problem in your marriage is not. You don't even want to say, Lord, help them, God. Holy Ghost, activate. Holy Ghost, activate. 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 Holy Ghost, activate. Activate. The problem in your marriage is not, it's you. Last time. Here it is. Let me say it because I'm messing me up. The problem in your marriage is not outside of you. It's you. Say it again. Here we go. Everybody together. The problem in your marriage is not, it's you. Because God wants to teach you what it looks like to be gracious. God wants to teach you what it looks like to be loving and to give mercy. And you still don't want to. So what does that mean? Go to forgiveness required. Don't miss this. Forgiveness requires humility. What does that mean? Listen. No one gives grace more than someone who is convinced they need it. No one gives grace more than someone who knows that you need it. That is why the most gracious people are the people who have been through some stuff and they saw what God did to them, which is why now they're gracious to others. But if you keep your little law cloak on and pretend, pretend as if you're so arrogant and perfect, then no wonder you don't give grace. You give law because you're in the law business. And now you've nullified what Jesus has done because he came to complete the law and fulfill the law so that now we live on the grace, not on the law. But you still live your marriage law-based, not grace-based. Say it, Pastor. Now, you live your marriage based on law and not grace. But fully understanding the grace of God changes the entire dynamic. But it has to start with humility because if you don't realize the, the profound love and grace God has for you, then you'll never give it to somebody else because you think you helped God on that cross. 
you think you, you think you were partly on that cross with Jesus. Which is why you can articulate and pontificate like you do. Because you think if it wasn't for you, Jesus wouldn't have gone on that cross. That's why he needs you to be God in your marriage. Say it! Say it! No, 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 no. If you're married, don't say nothing to the person beside you. No, just, just, just don't do that. Because you're going to start a fight at home. Actually, you're going to start a fight. Actually, you might have to take Uber home. So on this sermon, just say quietly beside, thank you, Holy Ghost. That's all you need to say. You, and I'll just say, use him, Holy Ghost, use him. Number two, compassion. Compassion says you can forgive because you look at your spouse as tender, not judgmental. You're humble because you've been a recipient of grace. You're compassionate because you're treating your spouse as tender, not judgmental. You're not a lawyer. You're not a judge. You're not a court clerk. You're a grace-filled believer. And in light of that, treat your spouse or your friend tenderly, not judgmentally. Number three, then you have to trust, but you trust in God, not your spouse. See, most of you are, Pastor, I can't do that, see? Because I just can't tell. I'm not asking you to trust your spouse. I'm asking you to trust God. Yeah. Oh, you're teaching now, Pastor. I'm asking you to trust God because it is God that you are the recipient of grace from. Therefore, that is the one who you need to put your trust in. And trust that your God will bust the person that's trying to manipulate you. Say it, Pastor. Say it, say it, say it, say it, say it. But you like, I'm not trusting them, and I'm not trusting God. I ain't trusting nobody but myself. My mom, then you're going to say, my mama didn't raise no fool. I ain't trusting none of y'all. I want to say something, but it's about your mama, so I won't say it. <laughs> your, mommy, your mama didn't know theology, okay? Okay, that's all I'm going to say. I ain't going to talk bad about your mama today. Number three, number four, number four. <laughs> number four, self No, this one is huge. Number four, self-control. You know why you have to have self-control? You have to have self-control because to, to, um, to forgive your spouse, you have to say no to yourself. Because, and here's why, because your brain is going to want to bring it up every day. And you're going to have to tell yourself no and trust the God that you just said you're going to trust. Your brain's going to want to bring it up and say, well, if they did, then I can. Your brain's going to want to bring it up and say, well, they owe me. Your brain's going to want to bring it. And you have to have self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. That means you're walking in the Spirit when you do it. But you got to have self-control to say, no, I laid that at the foot of the cross. No, let me walk in the grace that God has given me. Number, number five. Number five says, no, sacrifice. Now you got to sacrifice. Now it's going to cost you something. Now the idea is that we must forgo the desire for safety and for comfort. No, that's like cussing to an American. Yeah, you have to forgo this idea of it's safe. And it's comfortable. Yes. Let me help you out. Um, one of these, later on, we're stopping on this third one. Uh, but when we go to the others, listen. A lot of people are pursuing or want to pursue intimacy, which is at the top of the mountain. Intimacy emotionally. Intimacy uh, uh, spiritually. Intimacy sexually. A lot of people want it. But here's what they don't realize. The only way to get it to the mountain, to the top what you want, 
It's through the road called, and it's a bumpy road, called vulnerability. And the, and the guardrails of the road is pain and suffering. We're going to talk about it later. We're going to talk about it later. But the only way to get there is, and by the way, vulnerability is not sharing. Some of you think vulnerability is, yeah, well, I just shared what I thought. That's not vulnerability. Vulnerability is when, listen, when you share something, you're risking somebody turning their back on you. You're risking somebody taking advantage of you. You're risking that. But you're doing it because you want what God originally intended for your relationship. Which means you can get hurt. But if you can't get hurt, you can't get vulnerability. And you can't get to the intimacy that you want. That's the beauty of it. That's why it's going to take some sacrifice. But some of you want to know, I need to be in my lazy boy. I need to be in my fancy chair. I need to have all the comforts in the world. I have built my whole life around these comforts. So how dare you tell me I need to be uncomfortable again? Because that's the only way you get to the place God wants you to be. Which is why the problem isn't outside of you. The problem is you. And you like safety. And you like comfort. And you like happiness. And you don't want to even think that you might not have it for a moment. Because if you do, then you don't want to go down that path anymore. Next one is, last one. Ooh, remembering. Remembering says this. It says, you are loved with a love we could never earn, achieve, or deserve. You are loved with a love we could never earn, achieve, or earn. And we must remember this all the time because now you have to do that same thing with your spouse. They must be loved with a love they could not earn, they could not achieve, or they don't deserve. And the same thing God gave you, you now ought to give to them. Ladies and gentlemen, there are three habits. That's all we got time for today. Tell me the three again. Habit number one is? And you're overcoming what complex? Roommate. That's not everybody. You're overcoming roommate. Num number, number one habit is everybody together? And you're overcoming what complex? The roommate. Yeah. Number two habit is the habit of pursuit. And you're overcoming what? That's exactly right. Falling out of love. And the habit number three is confession and and you're overcoming what habit? All of us have this one. What habit? Quit being an attorney. All right, let me see if I can end the sermon with this. <clears throat> I'm supposed to have another one of these, but it's not here, so let me use this one. <clears throat> If you're not careful, your marriage, you have two of you. You have a screwdriver, and then you have a drill. The idea is that both of you are different. When you started out, you enjoyed that difference. But now, you compete, you fight against, and you don't like the differences anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, whoever has the better gift or talent for the particular situation, let them be who God's called them to be. <clears throat>
If it's a screwdriver, a manual screwdriver that you got to use and you got to use it to get a screw out because it's real sensitive, then let the person who is a little more finesse do it. If it's a big screw that you have to use the drill to get it out, then you use the drill to get it out. But will you please stop getting the little screwdriver because they're mad at the drill, take four hours to take out a screw that the drill can do it in two minutes. Not even two minutes, two seconds. Listen, what you have in marriages all over this world is arrogant people trying to do for themselves instead of seeing the reason why God brought you together so that when it is your strength, you use it because you're not competing. When it's their strength, you allow them to go because you're not competing because God made the two one. Listen, please, fam. So what I want you to do this week is practice the three habits. The habit of love, the habit of pursuit, and the habit of confession. Every day, I want you to practice all three. Every day I want you to say, I'm going to, I'm going to confess my... Every time the devil tells you to bring up their issue, you confess a sin that you have. And if you can't name one that you have, call the office. I want to talk to you because I want to list at least 15. <clears throat> I'll give you 15 of your own sins that you can confess daily since you don't have nothing to confess. Number two, pursuit with all your energy. Spend your resources there again. And then number one, I want you to love like God loved the other. Father, more than ever before in the history of this country, marriages are failing. More than ever before, people are wanting to throw in the towel. Will you do what only you can do? Help us to practice the habits so that we can begin the process of restoring your vision for marriage. Thank you for the men and women that are fighting the good fight. Thank you for the men and women that are not giving up, but they're staying in the fight and they're loving each other better than they ever have before. Thank you for the four couples that were at pursuit that said, I am not walking away. I'm fighting. Thank you for all of them, but continue to bless them. I pray for every marriage in this house, every marriage online. Will you do what only you can do, please? Will you do what only you can do? And that is to remind us of the grace that you have dispensed toward us so that we can be dispensers of grace as well. May not one person here create a kink in the host. Not one of us. But allow us to freely flow so that we're not a cul-de-sac. But we're a conduit through which your grace can flow in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name.